0: Hi there, I'm Neil Salas Griffin. I'm a teacher, a former founder, and a former mayoral candidate in the city of Chicago, and currently the managing director of Techstars Chicago Accelerator, where I have the honor of helping young companies grow and flourish. Each week, we bring together a rotating cast of high-powered and provocative guests to talk through the most pressing topics of the moment. It's a free form and unscripted conversation from the Techstars Podcast Network. Let's go! now it's time for us to talk through it so Mert I've got five minutes with five topics that we're going to go through love it. and I hope you're ready for the rapid round people have already read your bio they already know who you are love it so now we're going to talk about the election of a lifetime oh my gosh so (laughs) we're emerging from a highly emotional and divisive election yeah and in the United States there's a lot that's gone down this year in 2020 so are there any takeaways for people who are trying to build or start companies in, in an era where we have been through a lot.
1: <laughs> we certainly
0: have. So, so how are you feeling with respect to helping startup companies and founders navigate this new era?
1: No question. Um, let's start with sort of the, the election at hand, if you because I think there's a lot of unique things that just happened. I mean, we are, we're taping this a week before Thanksgiving we don't actually have a clear answer on who's the president of the country. It felt like it feels like a, like a board shakedown of the CEO has happened, but the CEO hasn't stepped down. It, it it very much feels like a very dramatic situation in a situation where there shouldn't be any dramatic decisions. Like there's a process around this. Um, there's that, a lot of
0: startup lessons to be learned. From that. There's
1: so much, there's yeah. so much of a board intervention lessons learned, but there's also, I think if you take this election out, there's also like general, rules of conduct I think that uh, but there's a lot to be said about that because there clearly is no standard There clearly is not no. this is what every company does it sort of feels like everybody does kind of their own thing let's take the this election the current one uh, first this is an unusual time because partially uh, 2020 has been you know the year of COVID-19 and a lot of the impact of COVID-19 has been clearly as a result of poor management uh, we know that Best decisions come from science, but the best implementations of those decisions comes through just proper and effective management. It doesn't take much to see, you look at the rest of the world, you look at the US and you say, looks like we have a management problem in here. So my first answer is, how do you build companies in this era? How How do you even have this conversation within the company is, I think at first it starts from, well, how are my people? Are my people being taken care of? 10% Ten percent of our company uh, tested positive for COVID nineteen. I mean, these are you know, people who had you know, real health problems. Wow. And again, this isn't the kind of thing that I think is as easy as, well, we provide health insurance as a company. Like I'm talking about, like, are you checking in on your people? Are you making sure that they're getting through the day? You don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know if they just said to goodbye to someone over Zoom the day before, right. and they have a deadline the next day. Like, it just goes way beyond of really taking care of. Your 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 team, your people, like these are, especially in a startup. We all know that the journey is what is not just we just hit this metric. It's a lot about we're a unit and we're gonna break through walls together. You can't do that if your team isn't isn't with you all the whole way. You, you have to have that level of transparency and honesty to make sure that people are well. I think it's also a function of taking care of yourself. No question and about
0: it. In my experience now, just working with founders this year and with all the you know, the new election and building up to this presidential election, there was noticeable tension, you know, in the air, even through Zoom, even through all the video calls we have during our, our Stars program of people kind of feeling nervous and anticipating an outcome that they, you know, are, are just uneasy about. And what I recommended to our founders is, you know, be aware and stay informed of what's happening and how that might affect your business. But at the same time, focus on what you can control, right? Focus on what you can do today. Do the best you have with what you do, the best you can with what you have and just make sure that your reaction to the outcome either way is, is level and controlled in the context of who you can support and influence, right? So I love that you said taking care of your team, but I just want people to make sure they also take care of themselves. And, you know, we all need time to process and heal, no matter how people lean in one direction or another with who they supported or what outcome they were seeking. Uh, I, I just think it's important to be, you know, mentally aware and strong uh, at home and, and in your own person, first and foremost.
1: Absolutely. But now I think there's a broader question, which is what about politics in general? Um, 2020 above and beyond the pandemic was a year of reckoning in America as it comes to issues of race. I think this was truly in my lifetime where we looked at this issue of of race and all the the protests, Black Lives Matter as a movement, we've reached a new height in terms of understanding and appreciation of how race impacts companies, people, dynamics. And it's a moment of reckoning because I think the, the startup world in general has not done its best job that it can possibly can in terms of diversity, in terms of leadership. We all know numbers around black and brown founders getting a fraction of investment dollars available that are out there for startups in general. There's plenty of problems to be resolved there. And I just think that if you take this issue and sort of say, okay, 2020, the political landscape about who you vote for kind of said about what you thought about this, the, the ongoing issue as it comes to, as it pertains to race. And I think there's, um, there's many, many reasons why companies should take a stance. I'm, I'm essentially addressing directly to the memo that the Coinbase founder wrote, which is like, oh, politics are outside of business, just, you know, shut up and dribble, right? Mm-hmm. He actually even made the analogy of like, a, we're a championship team, we should just play basketball in this, in this company. And I really couldn't be further apart from that. Not for the reasons that you might think of, like, th- there's least important reasons to do this, which is look, people care about, the brands that they install on their phone, the products that they buy, and they want to make sure that those brands are aligned with their values. So presumably, if you take the right stance, you get more customers. Okay, that's a bad reason. It's a reason. Another reason might be, well, we're going to attract the best talent. But people who basically, people who are really talented, care about these issues. and want to work for companies who also care about these issues. Okay, another self-serving reason. But yeah, that's another sort of like capitalist reason. I think the reason is much more straightforward than that. The reason is, do you want to build a company where your children are proud to work for one day? Are you, are you really taking the long stance in here that when you look back, you don't say there was an opportunity to say something and we didn't. And th- this isn't just about this issue in particular. It can be about any political issue at, at any given time. I think companies set up their North Star and clearly have to create a situ- uh, an environment where everybody can uh, are free to vote for whomever they want or have a political belief. That's, that's besides the point. I don't think companies should have any opinion on say like what's your opinion on tax code or anything like that but you know if the issue is about discrimination if the issue is about human rights yeah you should say this is my position and that's the right thing to do and i'm going to pressure my local government federal government whatever it is to do the right thing because that's the kind of world that i want to leave to my children and i just think that line in the sand has to be drawn for every single company and it doesn't matter how early you are in the game you have to make that position known and advocate for that world that you want to be a part of thank you
0: for sharing that mert i uh I appreciate that perspective. So if it's all right, let's jump to the next topic. Let's do it. Okay. So it's actually very related to what we were just talking about, technology and democracy. So, you know, the election pointed out a process that's super ripe for improvement, if not disruption, <laughs> to say the least. Yes. So what's your take on technology and what role it plays to increase democracy?
1: So I um, I was uh, looking at, I think it was a month ago or something There were early early voting and there were lots of lines in Georgia and just knowing what a key swing state Georgia is I was thinking in this day and age how does it take like six hours to vote or something like this is just really crazy I, I first sort of like I expressed something on Facebook I was like wow isn't this the shame for you know this in this day you can do anything with technology but like wow you still have to wait six months to out paperwork like what kind of backwards thinking is this and a very surface level thought ah what an opportunity But in reality, a lot of thoughtful people in my Facebook basically said, no, that's called voter suppression. Voter suppression can happen even if you have an app on your damn phone. So I just don't want to almost disrespect the gravity of the problem by saying, oh, maybe technology can help in here. Why can't we vote from our phones? Well, I, a little voice in my brain tells me that it ain't about the vote and how you vote for it. Because clearly the same systems happen. If you have seven voting stations in a similarly sized district that happens to be a different racial composition, it doesn't take six hours to vote. So I just think that, yes, technology can always help. And we should always make our elections more secure, more convenient, with more participation. With, essentially, it's a system that works for us. But I also want to say that to approach that problem just by technology, Sounds to me a very similar sort of clueless approach to say, oh, we'll just make a digital school. Well, well, you know, th- no, it doesn't work to just build a school o- over Zoom. Like we all seen, seen what happens. So it's a yes and like, yes, clearly there's opportunity for technology, but it can't be without fundamental underlying changes of the system in place. That's just delusional in my mind.
0: Well, well I, I appreciate that. And what I'm most excited about, I think in, in hearing, you know, your, your take on this is what could come from like not only technology, but all the thinking that goes around successful technology being Mm. implemented and scaling. Mm. And that Mm. successful technology typically involves a very in-depth process that takes into account the user journey Mm. or the customer journey for Mm. us, right? In our, in our language. So when I think about things like jobs to be done and doing more discovery, paying attention to the struggling moments of people who have the hardest time currently being heard, and having their voices heard and, and being able to participate and engage. If we can be as thoughtful as possible with all of this private sector knowledge and, 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 uh, and uh, resources and awareness that we've, we pumped into being efficient and effective at drawing people through a pipeline and getting people, you know, closed and sold and, and uh, successful through the, you know, through their customer experiences on all these different platforms. And if we translate that over to government, it would be amazing. Now, as a former mayoral candidate, I struggled big time with this because I saw in Chicago how City Hall works and how difficult it is to implement any new system, any new protocol. There's a bunch of bells and whistles and hoops you have to jump through Mm. in order to figure that out. Mm. And uh, I, I, I have a lot of hope for the future. Uh, Because now everyone was forced to embrace technology in a way that they never imagined. Everyone's using video call software. Everyone's using an internet connection if they have access to it. And they're using it now to its potential, or even beyond it, and they're stretching it. And that's a forcing function, I think, to embrace technology in a way that's never been done before. Absolutely. Great. All right. Let's move on to our third subject, personal values. Mm. So how do you talk to founders about aligning their personal values and mission with their company values and mission? Because I think as a, as, a, as a person, some of us have figured that out, what we stand for, what we believe in. And sometimes when you start a company, I think it's essential to know that. But it isn't always the case that that's just, you know, free and clear. So tell me your take on personal values and mission, and then what you think of, you know, the companies, you know, and having that and combining the two.
1: Absolutely. Well, first of all, company values are by definition, company values, like they're the values of the company of people that it's a, it's a part of. And I like to think of this hack here. I think com- in the, is CEOs, first of all, should be the biggest flag wa- waiver of those company values. You can't call a company value a company value if the very person at the top, he or she lives by those values every single day. So my simple advice is decide on what your company values are that are really easy for you to follow, which happens to be parallel to your own values, which happens to be things that you yourself believe. And And I'll give a practical example in here. Uh, one of the things that I really value in life is rather than sort of having a spray and pray sort of a f- approach to friendship. Oh, I know everybody. I'm friends with everybody. I like having sort of like deeper and, and longer term friendships and connections with that people hit that on. I spot. That in hit home, man. I got to work on that. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But in a way you can sort of take that personal value. I mean, I, you know, of course we're all friends in the, in the company, but you know, we're not hanging out all the time. Like my personal friendships are separate from the, from the company friendships, but I liken um, my approach to friendships to our approach with the relationship with our customers. I always say that we don't have customers. We have partners. You know, partners, not vendors, is, is one of our core values here at Swipesense, And it's easy to follow because a partner is sort of like a good friend a partner calls out your BS, a partner doesn't just say yes and laughs at every one of your jokes. If if you step out of line, a partner will be like, hey, that, that wasn't that great. A partner also acknowledges where they have fallen short. So if we haven't delivered something to one of our customers, I want every single person to be on our team and to raise their hand and say, look, we have to get this right. That's not what a partner does. But subsequently, if we've done everything from our end and the customer's not using the software or not improving the metrics as much as they should, that's essentially what the tool is for. Then I want Martin to, to be empowered to say, hey, as a partner, I have to call you out on this. Your peers are doing a lot better. So it's, this is sort of an example where the company value is adapted from, yes, a personal approach, but it's clearly something that benefits our mission. And all of those values are servant to that mission, whatever the mission for the company of people are pursuing as part of that startup. So I like sort of values that are lived, not just talked about. And that's why I always say a value should never be something that you think about a certain way. It should be things that you do about a certain issue, a certain challenge. So as long as your values are based on actions that you yourself want to emulate and you yourself want your company members to to, to follow, it is really helpful that they're aligned with your personal values. It's not a must. Um, and it certainly is not the end all be all. Like if you have a personal value around being really charitable or generous, that doesn't necessarily have to translate to your business objectives. You have to mold it to what the company is trying to, uh, to achieve and, and accomplish. So that's the sort of the high level thoughts there.
0: Yeah. And I guess to build on, you know, what I'm hearing Culture is the byproduct of consistent behavior. Yeah, absolutely. That's something I derived from my good friend Jason Freed at Basecamp. Hundred percent You know, that idea of connecting your values to your, you know, your personal values to your company values is something that I've done from day one. The first company I got involved in, I had to walk away really, really early because there were things going on there that were were challenging my own ethics and my own values. And I had to reflect on what it meant to have a company that I'm in charge of or own a piece of equity in. And when we're making decisions that are either questionable or that I'm not sure I agree with, when do I leave? When do I draw that line? When do I walk away? And uh, what do I walk away with? (laughs) Which wasn't much uh, back then, but I hope, you know, that everybody feels empowered to like channel their own personal values and mission and align that with whatever company they join or start. Absolutely. Very important. All right. So a couple more topics, anxious times, Mm. We're, you know, mental health and wellness has become such an important topic in the mm. startup world. Mm. And after this year, it definitely should be, you know, a, a major issue. If, if not, um, it, you know, it's been already. So how do you advise founders to take care of themselves in, you know, a time when mental health has become prominent and really important?
1: Absolutely. I, I have two approaches to this. One is internal and one is external. I think founders can do a lot of internal work in terms of self-reflection, reiterating, finding out what their true north is, what their personal values are, what really defines who they are. And that's a lot of internal work. We can talk about that in detail. And there's a lot of external work that you can do, which is who you surround yourself with, what you talk about, who you talk it with, um, essentially trying to understand and empathize with others who are going through the, the same challenge. Let's start with the first one. Um, I think all change begins with self. So I don't necessarily think there's a magic you know, pill you take and suddenly your anxiety goes away. These are difficult things. I mean, Every founder who is listening to this podcast right now knows how much it sucks, how much it is destructive to your own self-value when the company stumbles, when you make a mistake and it's apparent that it's your mistake, you're the CEO, you're the person in charge. You can never, when a startup doesn't do well, just hide behind a curtain and say, but so-and-so. Well, that so-and-so was hired by you, fired by you, was it, it, you accepted the investment from that person. So ultimately the responsibility is always there. And I think that's part of the reason why this is really difficult anxiety to deal with because deep down, you know, you messed up. Um, The internal work that I recommend here for founders to really go through and embrace is, part of it is, do you believe so much in your mission, so personally, so deep that even in the face of failure, even in the event that nothing works out, you're still proud of the work that you've done, that you haven't packed for the way back. Like you're on this road regardless of the outcome because it's worth dying for. It's it's a story so good that you can tell your grandkids one day and say, you know what, we totally messed up, but we're trying to get every single person in America to vote from their phone. Like whatever that thing is that you're trying to get your startup to do, are you proud of that? The very mission itself. If that's not clear, then efforts that don't fall directly is going to be really really harmful. At the same time, similar to the mission, I think you you have to describe to yourself, what kind of a founder are you? And this is something I've done myself personally that has really helped me a great deal. I've sort of um, I've become a student of other founders, like founders who've played the game for a lot longer, have achieved much, much greater heights than, than I have in terms of just reaching the impact. I'm not talking about you know, wealth or valuation or whatever, but just like did the company achieve the mission that it set out to achieve? And there's interesting things about those founders there's uh, personality types there's qualifications there's some people are gifted in certain things and i basically by looking at others ask myself the question of like what is my nen specialty and this is going to be a super obscure reference to our to our (laughs) audience members it's a great anime hunter hunter but for me my answer was this all being equal. I'm never gonna be the, the smartest CEO, the, uh, the, the mo- most well-connected CEO, the, the most strategic CEO. The CEO that I choose to be is the CEO that never gives up. It's the bulldog that bites on that on that slipper and n- never lets <laughs> go. Like you're trying to remove that your shoe from the dog, and the dog's like, I'm not letting go. Relentless. Unwavering relentlessness. Yes. Just just f- the level of obsession that says I I've been beaten, but I'm up again. And I'm not going to lose this game if I don't concede another Hunter Hunter reference we just made.
0: Well, so when does the, the mental health piece though really come into play with your study of these leaders and your own reflection? Cause you know, when I think about, you know, mental health issues, I, I have to be honest, I'm not the best at it myself. You know, like I, I think there's a lot more for, for me to learn as a leader and as a manager of people uh, with respect to how to take care of myself and to make sure I'm supporting all of my team members uh, with mental health, because I'll be honest with you, Murray, it's been a rough couple of days. So with the hurricane that happened in, you know, around Honduras and Colombia, I've got family of in course. those places and they've been, you know, impacted significantly there and people have lost their homes. They've lost their businesses. They've lost their livelihoods. They're struggling to figure out where they can find shelter and I'm far away, privileged in Chicago, like at a distance with internet and technology and lighting and space and a couch and friends I can talk to and entrepreneurs and founders I can support through computers and all these other things I have access to. And I feel somewhat powerless sometimes to be able to contribute to all these other things happening in the world elsewhere and uh, making the personal connection of feeling sadness, feeling a sense of, you know, struggle or depression and, and then at the same time, realizing that I don't have it so bad. So what do I have to complain about? And that's a constant like struggling totally. moment that I face as I, as I try to support founders every day who go through similar things.
1: No question about it. I mean, I'm, I'm myself going through similar things with most of my family being in Turkey and me feeling like, well, what do I have to complain about? And I'm, I'm, I have everything here in Chicago. I feel very lucky. I'm working on something that I'm really, really passionate about. Things are going well. We're reaching impact um, to me when that feeling hits it's important to acknowledge them it's important to accept as they are but go back to that okay well but then what am i doing about this like i accept this feeling but the feeling will come and go my, what are you actions, do about it? my actions will yeah. live on and that's where i tie back to the bulldog that never gives l- l- let's go of the slippers um i think there's a certain pride in terms of embracing that struggle and saying, I'm gonna fight through this because that's who I am. That's the kind of CEO that I aspire to be. And repeating that to yourself over and over again. It does help uh, because it ultimately allows you to come from a place of action, from things that you do. And a lot of the times the toughest part is to make that first step, is to sort of get out of the couch, is to get out of that slump of I'm not doing enough. And once you do that result becomes becomes energy for for the next thing. But to the external point of all of this, I'm a huge believer in having sort of an Entrepreneurs Anonymous type network around you. So similar to Alcoholics Anonymous, you have to remind yourself that you're not alone in your struggle. I mean, you are in your struggle, but not in the struggle. People have it way worse than you. Help them out, step up to them and, and understand that what they have on their plate is just as difficult as, you, as yours. One, that helping others feels good. It allows you to feel that sense of progress and step forward without necessarily anxiety and the personal guilt that's tied to that uh, achievement. But it also, it reminds you that, hey, everybody goes through it. No one has it easy. And that is really empowering to deal with all of it. This speaks to my gratitude for Techstars, you Mm
0: -hmm. know, and and this goes into our final topic, what to look Mm -hmm. for in companies. Because, you know, when, when I think about the fact that I have this community of people You know, global community of people, but also locally in Chicago of of founders, of mentors, of experts who are constantly engaged, trying to support each other, talking to each other, having having candid conversations and giving feedback. It's pretty incredible. So at Techstars, we're, you know, while we're in program, we're also recruiting companies and we're looking for our next class because our program starts in July, next summer. So, I'm curious, Mert, as a mentor now of, of startups and as a potential investor in startups, what do you look for in companies? And I'll, I'll be you know, excited to share my own take on this,
1: too. Absolutely. Well, first, um, the two elements, regardless of stage and performance of the company, that are huge factors for me is it's one, it always starts with the founders in my mind. Like, what is the team made up of? What is the real makeup of the, the individuals that make part of this in, initial seed of, of, the, of a team? Uh, what are they driven by? What are they motivated by? What are they unfairly good at? What are they exceptional? what What cheat code do they have in this video game that no one else has and I really want to understand that and see the personal tie to the second thing, which is how big is the problem that you 're trying to solve i just i don 't know about me i I get way more excited about hey, we have this crazy new way of developing vaccines and that's going to change the game on vaccines forever and it's going to save 100 million lives it has a less than one percent shot of succeeding but here's the plan of how going out there and here's our personal connection to this mission i'm way more impressed by startups that have a story that's similar to this versus hey we're one of 40 dog walking apps Uh, ours is growing really fast and boy do we love dogs in this company like I, I get it. And I think that's a really, really wonderful thing. I encourage everybody to pursue entrepreneurship period, but in terms of what gets me out of the the, the bed and say like, okay, well, what wrong are we trying to write here? Like when, when is all said and done, are we really going to be responsible for a lot more, Dog poop or something. that yeah. like What is the yeah. outcome? What is the output? You can be passionate about yeah. dog
0: shit. It's possible. That's totally you know, fair. Like, I, like people get passionate about the darndest things. But yeah. I'll say, uh, there's a song that you know, I guess people can Google if you're listening. <laughs> Chumba Wumba. You know Chumba Wumba? Yes. yes That's what I look for, man. Exactly. Chumba Wumba. I if, get no. Doubt. If you get knocked down, get back up again. So what I'm looking for in founders is like, do you have the juice? Because I don't care how smart you are right now. I don't care how good or bad you are right now. If you've demonstrated to me that you are going to be unstoppable in your pursuit of a mission Mm. and a vision that you can clearly articulate and get me excited about, Mm. and you've shown that your team has unique value and and, and positioning to be successful in the space that you're trying to build your business in let's talk. I'm Absolutely. interested. Let's go. Absolutely. So yeah, it, it demonstrate that resilience and uh, sign me up. You know, we can talk about investment and everything else.
1: Absolutely. Because at the very least, even if I don't invest, I'm on board. Right. Like I, I want to I help, help. I want to get you to a place where you are investable. That's and right. that's where it starts. A lot of times investable companies without this key connection to the mission and the vision, the, when the first card is down, the 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 people quit the, the the resilience isn't there and to me that's just sort of a well if you're only in this thing to win only for the good days brother and sister there's a long way ahead <laughs> like this this you don't you don't want to start that road um, because the the as as they say the <laughs> the years are long but the decades are short in this business for sure <laughs> it's it's not worth it to pursue for something that you're not all in yourself
0: yeah and part of why I wanted you to be the first guest on this podcast Murray is because you've been mentoring tech stars companies for a while now a for while. years and and you're coming off of what we call mentor madness. And it's been a pretty, you know, intense experience, especially given that we've been mostly remote. You and mm-hmm. I are, you know, mm-hmm. clean and you know, good and whatever. But, uh, I am curious just to get your final take on, you know, how our companies are doing, not just Chicago companies and tech Chicago companies, but your take on, you know, where startups are, are faring and where they're struggling right now in, totally. this, in this age. And then we can uh,
1: close out. Absolutely. Well, one, I'll, I'll share the things that I'm beyond impressed by. I am just blown away by the, uh, r- r- the resilience, the anti-fragility of the companies that I've been mentoring that have been a part of through Techstars. And it's sort of a, but damn, against all odds, we, you, guys are, you guys are running along. You're still here. Like the, 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 they're standing. The, they're the, fighting. The nuclear bomb has gone off, but mm-hmm. some of you guys are cockroaches and I love it. Yeah. Like, I love that sort of, uh, well, we figured this out, we're all remote, we're doing this, now we we'll change the product in this way, whatever. Like, the speed in which you're adapted is phenomenal. And this actually, as a, as a startup inside a, a larger company, you can see how this really is a superpower of being an early stage company, is your ability to experiment and try new things and not have sort of a pocket of luck, but we have to be in the office. Like, there's, no, there's not even that. Like, we can do anything from anywhere. That is liberating. And that's really, really well. At the same time, this is really challenging. And of course, I, it doesn't escape anybody. Um, essentially, what happened in the last six months is that every assumption that you presumably had about your business, good or bad, is no longer relevant. And you really are back to ground one in terms of experimenting in your world that you've set out to create. And it takes a tremendous amount of resilience. Takes a tremendous amount of patience and, and will to keep failing and failing again in order to get to a ground truth that you know you can you can be relevant about. And that's that's what I'm signed up for. I'm I'm here for that journey. I'm here to help those companies out to make that happen.
0: Thank you for being a mentor to our community, Merlin. It's my it pleasure. Going.
1: So the last thing
0: uh, I want to I want to say here is a startup to watch. So uh, you're welcome to share one if you know a company that you want to give a shout out to for you know this podcast. But for me. Uh, yesterday, some big news occurred. Havoc Shield, one of the first investments i made in a Techstars uh, company, just announced that they raised, you know, $1.45 million. And it's a, a proud outcome for me is a milestone that basically means they have a lot more work to do and to spend that money well and to make sure they grow and scale the business. But for cybersecurity folks or anybody who doesn't have their act together with protecting yourself both at home and through your workplace – They're people to look out for havoc major shout out and kudos to Brian Fritton, the CEO. I'm
1: really proud of him. That's awesome. Well, I'll pick one of the tech stars companies that I'm mentoring right now. It's documentor and it's uh, William and tiny Birdsong. And I just got to say like, it was a very short interaction with the the first mentor madness. We're already reconnecting and I'm excited to help them out. But just to give you an idea, like one of my favorite things happened, which is in the middle of the meeting, William goes, murder. I hate to do this. Can I just take two minutes? I got to talk to a customer. And I just love that. Ooh, it's just like, that's the I, energy. I basically said, you're doing it right, sir. Go right ahead. I'm, I'm here. Like we'll take, we'll extend the meeting if we need to, whatever it is. But the idea that he was so custom, Customer obsessed and customer focused, that you could see the energy of like, we got another one. We, and there was this all this hustle. He was passing the phone to Tiny, Tiny's passing the phone back, and it was just this energy that that's the magic that makes startups get to really, really amazing places. It's not the technology stack, it's not the how fancy the offices look, it's that energy of constant obsessiveness to help serve that next customer and make their lives a little easier, get them to achieve their objectives, help them make progress. And I just saw a very raw description of that. And it was it was really beautiful to see. It's the kind of thing that reminds you why you got in the game in the first place is you yourself had, and I still do have that feeling. And um, I wanna give them a quick shout out. I think they got a long and amazing journey ahead of them.
0: Thank you, Mert. And uh, you know what? The way I wanna close this out, and I think I might do this for every episode, is uh, let's get back to work. Let's do it. All right, brother, thank you. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening. What did you think of this week's conversation? You can find our contact info in the episode notes, or you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Neil Salas. I would love to hear from you, and I'll catch you next time.
1: Wow. One shot. One take.